Welcome to the Robert Lewis Sermons Podcast, an archive of Robert Lewis's sermons while at Fellowship Bible Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. The following podcast is one of Robert's original messages to men on manhood, found here under the series heading, Authentic Manhood. As you listen to it, we hope it will give you both personal encouragement and spiritual inspiration to live better as a man. Now this morning as we embark on our journey into authentic manhood, I thought it would be good to start today by just giving an initial vision of what a real man looks like. To start, I I want you to listen to the words of Garrison Keillor, the humorist. He writes this, Plato, St. Francis, Leonardo da Vinci, Vince Lombardi, Yogi Berra. You don't find guys of that caliber today. What you find is terrible gender anxiety. Guys desperately trying to be Mr. Right. The man who can bake a cherry pie, go shoot skeet, come back, toss a salad, converse intimately about intimate matters, cry if need be, laugh, hug, be vulnerable, perform passionately that night, and then the next day go off and lift them bales and tote that barge. You know, trying to be Mr. Perfect, Keeler says, is a terrible way to spend your life. And I say that because today, perfect is the image that I think men get from the world around them. They think they need to be everything to everybody. They need to be everything at once. The man who can do it all. And I think that's a terrible way to live. In fact, I think a much better way to live or a much better term than perfect is just simply the word balanced. I think what the world is needing from men today is a life of balance. A real man is a balance of four expressions. And today I'm going to give you four faces of manhood, each complementing the other, each synchronizing with the other, each balancing the other. And I think this is what the world is looking for. And I think in some ways this is what we're looking for. So let me give you the four faces of manhood. Here's the first face. It's called the king face, the face of the king. Now this face doesn't come easily in a man's life. The fact is, this face has to be cultivated over time. There has to be a number of ingredients that go into helping a man put this face on. It's through his parents. It's through mentors. It's through heroes, stories, faith, persevering through special problems. It comes about through integrating his religion into his life. All of which creates in the soul of a man over time his principle is forged in the crucible of this man's life, a love of the right. That's the king face. It's the love of the right. And a love of right over comfort and circumstances. It's the face a man shows when he's asked to cheat on a business deal. It's the face a man shows when it comes time to keep his promise, although now keeping his promise is going to be extremely difficult. It's the face a man shows when he makes good on his debt. The face he shows when he risks his own life to save another person. Or when he's on a business trip and he's propositioned by a female companion. It's the face he shows when he could take advantage of someone else, but he chooses not to. Or he stands up to a good friend whose life is out of control and risks the friendship in order to call the friend back 
to what is noble and what is just. It's that face he shows without blinking in the face of danger. It's the face that doesn't waver even though he knows there are risks and consequences by standing up to that which is ignoble and wrong. I call it the king face. This is the face that reflects righteous energy. It's the face reflecting righteous energy. In the Bible, you see that face reflected in the prophet Nathan, who comes to King David to confront him about his secret adultery, knowing that when he confronts the king, he's laying it all on the line, and the king, with just a word, could either banish him for the kingdom forever or have him put to death. And yet, he looks into the face of a king and says, you are the man and you're wrong. It's also the face of King David, who in hearing the words of a righteous man, instead of saying, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Bathsheba. <laughs> in the midst of being confronted with the wrong, he puts on the king face. And he says, I've sinned. You're right. I've done wrong. This face is characterized by a number of things. It's characterized by strong convictions, courageous moral choices, a servant spirit, righteous leadership. And as I said, it doesn't come easily. It is forged in the crucible of life. And every guy here is in the process of developing or snuffing out the king face in your life. Because it comes with those decisions. Sometimes, like climbing a mountain, there are the small hills in the beginning of your life, and sometimes the issues get much greater and grander. But each time you scale the summit, the king face grows stronger and brighter. I remember years ago, I was off to graduate school, seminary, and as I got there, it became real apparent after the first couple of months in Oregon that we had difficulty getting jobs and school was starting and our finances ran real low. And one of my friends who had just taken a, a really good job with an oil company and they'd moved him to Lima, Peru, he called me and we were talking. I was telling him about my financial circumstances. And graciously, he said to me these words. He said, listen, I've got this wonderful job. Let me cover your first semester. And man, I was so impressed. I said, Dope, that's, that's $2,000. He said, let me cover it. Well, about three days after that, down in Lima, Peru, Dope was called into the office of the boss down in Lima, Peru. And because of the oil negotiations and the military that was in control of the government at the time and all that, Dope was asked to sign papers that would bribe the government in order for them to do certain oil exploits in Peru. The boss asked him to sign these papers and he said, well, can I think about it just for a moment? He said, what's there to think about? This is the way you do business in South America. He said, I know, but that's not the way I thought I was going to do business. So he walked around the block and he came back and he said, you know, I really don't feel comfortable signing those papers. And the boss said, listen, if you don't sign the papers, you don't work here. So he lost his job that day and all his benefits and struggled to get back to the States. And I remember when he got back to the States, he called me and he told me, 
on the phone that, uh, that all this had happened to him. And, of course, I was sympathizing with him. And, of course, the first thing I thought is, well, don't worry about what you promised me. And he said, you know, I got back to the States. And he said, I looked in my account and I had $2,000 left. And I'm going to send it to you. That's the king face. I never forgot that. Of a man who stepped up with righteous energy to fulfill a promise that he made, even when I thought it wasn't necessary. You see that king face in Scripture and Verses like this, Proverbs 4.18, it says this, But the path of the righteous is like the light of the dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Now, I know when you read that verse, it's a little bit poetic, but look at it for a moment. You know, when you walk out of here, the day is going to be dawning. We'll have a beautiful day today. The sun will come up and it'll grow stronger and stronger and brighter and brighter in its intensity through the day. The writer of Proverbs tells us that's what righteousness is like in life. It grows stronger through life. A man who puts on the king face grows stronger through his life. His life doesn't fade. Now, a lot of us who have a little bit of age to us know that, you know, there are a lot of exploits of guys in the early days who did a lot of things that were wrong. They thought it was cool to sleep around on their wife or to party all night and whatever. But you know, that kind of lifestyle over a period of time grows weaker through the years, doesn't it? But not the righteous. They start with small light, and as life goes on, their manhood gets brighter and brighter until the full day. And that's what the writer's saying here. The king face is part of manhood. He also says in Proverbs 20, verse 7, these words, A righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. Now, for those of us who have sons, that should mean a lot. Because there are a lot of things you can give your sons. Trips, gear, time with dad, showing up at his ball game, big hugs. But what the writer of Proverbs is saying is the thing that you can give your son the most is your integrity. How blessed are sons after him because you fill into their soul a substance that they can't get anywhere else and it builds a solid core out of which they can live their own life. But if that core isn't built, then they're like a paper house. How blessed are the men, sons after him. This is what the king face is all about. It's a man who reflects righteous energy all through his life, and he grows brighter through the years. You know what? By the time you get to be 50 and 60 and you look around, you don't compare wealth and houses and cars so much anymore. You compare character and your good name if you still have one. That's what the king face is all about. Then there's a second face that a man wears. It's called the warrior face. It's the warrior face that says, we can take the company national. <laughs> Let's do it. It's the warrior face that says, you know, I'm going to lose weight. And did so. It's the warrior face that says, I'm going to repay that debt, even though I don't know how I'm going to get out of debt. I remember a young man coming to me who had made a mistake in the early years of his marriage 
and was thousands of dollars in debt. In fact, when he told me the figure, you know, my first thought is, this guy's going to go bankrupt. And he said, I, I don't feel comfortable going bankrupt. And so what he did is he took two extra jobs. I mean, he was working in a white-collar professional job, but he started throwing newspapers in the morning and working at a convenience store on the weekends and did so to dig his way out of debt because he put that warrior face on. It's the warrior face that said in a plane not long ago, let's roll. That's the warrior face. And as you know, that face is the most honored and celebrated of all the men's faces. We love warriors, don't we? We love to, to celebrate men who are warriors. We celebrate the warriors and legendary figures like George Patton or Teddy Roosevelt or Alexander the Great or William Wallace. We love to celebrate the warriors and business leaders like Ted Turner or Bill Gates or Donald Trump or Sam Walton or sports warriors like Michael Jordan or Lance Armstrong, Tiger Woods. We go to the movies and we, we enjoy seeing uh, fictional warriors like a gladiator or even a real life replay of real warriors like Saving Private Ryan. All that stirs the soul of a man because there's something within us that enjoys a good fight. And that's the warrior face. It's the man who can take life head on and win. It's the guy that can take the other guy's best shot and still stand. It's the man who works the hardest or the longest and outlasts the competition. We like the warrior face. Now, sometimes the warrior face can get out of control. Sometimes we can enjoy that in a humorous way. And you guys know I love Dave Barry, or at least you will know before the year's over. And uh, here's an illustration of the warrior face kind of gone to the extreme. Uh, Dave Barry writes this column that says, guys aren't stupid, they just act that way. He says this, one recent morning I was driving in Miami on Interstate 95, which should have a sign that says, warning, high tes testosterone levels next 15 miles. In the left lane, one behind the other, were two well-dressed middle-aged men, both driving luxury telephone-equipped German automobiles. They look like responsible business executives, probably both named Roger, with good jobs and nice family, nice families and male pattern baldness, the kind of guys whose most violent physical activity on an average day is stapling. <laughs> they were driving normally, except that the guy in front, Roger one, was thoughtlessly going only about 65 miles an hour which in Miami is the speed limit normally observed inside car washes. <laughs> so Roger too pulled up behind until the two cars were about one electron apart and honked his horn. Of course, Roger one was not to stand for that. You let a guy honk at you and, you're basically, and you are basically admitting that he has a bigger stapler. So Roger one stomped on his brakes, forcing Roger two to swerve onto the shoulder where showing amazing presence of mind in an emergency, he was able to make obscene gestures with both hands. <laughs> At this point, both Rogers accelerated to about 147 miles an hour <laughs> and began weaving violently through dense rush hour traffic, each risking numerous lives in an effort to get in front of the other, screaming and getting spit all over their walnut dashboard. 
I quickly lost sight of them, but I bet neither one backed down. Their co-workers probably wondered what had happened to them. Where the heck is Roger? They probably said later that morning, unaware that even as they spoke, the dueling Rogers, still only inches apart, were probably approaching the Canadian border. <laughs> well, sometimes the warrior comes out in us in an extreme like that, and we get out of control. But here's what I want you to know about the warrior. This is a face reflecting conquering energy. Conquering energy. This is the face characterized by initiative. The warrior goes after it. It's the face characterized by protecting. The warrior is the one who shields and defends. It provides. It goes out and gets and says, I'm going I'm to take care of you, no matter what it takes. It's the face that perseveres in the midst of all kinds of adversity. It goes on. It's the face that fights. And the true warrior face is not a destructive force. It's a very positive energy force. I remember years ago when I first moved to Little Rock, I'd completed all the classwork for my doctorate. The only thing left to do was the dissertation. And yet when I got to Little Rock, <clears throat> I was several thousand miles from my school, which was out in California. And, uh, they changed heads of the department. And the department, even though it was a theological degree, the guy who headed the department said, you know, we want to make this, uh, this uh, dissertation much more scientific, so I want everything that you do to be justified through statistical analysis. Well, I've never had a statistical course in my life. And uh, so all of a sudden I was thrown into a real conflict. And not only that, but we were just having our second child. We were just building our first home and uh, it was Christmas, and I needed to start that dissertation because I had until May to get it in. And I got to tell you, I had no energy for it. And that night, the night before I was supposed to leave and go to Dallas to begin my research work, it started sleeting outside. And I was sitting there looking out the window thinking, I don't need to finish this. I've worked hard, but this is just too much. You've had those moments, had not you? when the mountain just seemed too big to scale. And then while I was sitting there, something deep inside of me said, quitter. You're a quitter. I said, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. Started this war inside. And at that point, you could, I could feel the warrior rise up and said, we're going to get this done. Get in the car, drive through the sleet and start the work. And that's what happened. But that comes through that kind of conquering energy. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to finish. I'm going to pay it back. I'm going to get the job done. We're going to make this work. All that comes from an energy within. It's called the warrior. You see that in scripture when in 1 Timothy it says these words, pursue righteousness and godliness, and faith, and love, and perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith, and take hold. The word really means to seize. Seize the eternal life for which you are called. Now, I want you to look at just those terms for a moment, because those are what I call noble up terms. Godliness, 
righteousness, faith, those things are not easily seized in any man's life. Love, perseverance, those are the kind of things that you have to work hard for. You have to fight for. And it takes a while to take hold of those things. But here's an older man looking into a young man's face and calling the warrior out saying, take up the sword and make these things work for your life. Bring them into your life. But it comes through the warrior. Here's a third face. The face of the lover. The face of the lover. Now, the lover is a face that is unnatural to man as the warrior is natural. Because lover is more difficult for most of us as men. It's the lover that picks up on his wife's real needs. It's the lover who is willing to let go of another good business deal in order to spend more time at home. It's the lover who can open his heart and share the things that he really feels rather than hide those because he feels like he has to have a front for strength. But he can crack open the door and share the hurt in his life and the pain and he can connect around that kind of sensitivity of feelings in a world of emotion. This is the face, by the way, reflecting romantic energy. Romantic energy. This is the face characterized by tenderness by sensitivity, by sacrificial care, by emotional openness, by physical affection. Want to hear a warrior suddenly put on the face of a lover? This is the letter of a major in the Civil War, 1861, Major Sullivan Ballou, who wrote to his wife, Sarah, before the battle of Bull Run. Here's what he said to her. Now this is a warrior speaking. But suddenly, because he's got that balance in his life, he can put on the face of the lover. He says to her these words. The indications, my dear Sarah, are very strong that we shall move in a few days, perhaps tomorrow. And lest I should not be able to write you again, I feel impelled to write a few lines that may fall under your eye when I am no more. I have no misgivings about or lack of confidence in the cause in which I am engaged. And my courage does not halt or falter. I know how great a debt we owe to those who went before us through the blood and suffering of the revolution. And I am willing, perfectly willing, to lay down all my joys in this life to help pay that debt. But Sarah, my love for you is deathless. It seems to bind me with mighty cables that nothing but omnipotence can break. The, member, the memory of all the blissful moments I have enjoyed with you comes crawling over me. And I feel most deeply grateful to God and to you that I have enjoyed them for so long. But how hard it is for me to give them up and burn to ashes the hopes of future years when, God willing, we might have lived and loved together and seen our boys grow up to be honorable men around us. If I do not return, my dear Sarah, never forget how much I loved you. Know that when my last breath escapes me on the battlefield, it will whisper your name. Forgive my many faults and the many pains I've caused you. How thoughtless, how foolish I've sometimes been. But, oh, Sarah, if the dead can come back to this earth, 
to flit unseen among those they love, I shall always be with you in the brightest day and in the darkest night, always with you. And when the soft breeze fans your cheek, it shall be my breath. Or the cool air on your throbbing temple, it shall be my spirit passing by. Sarah, do not mourn me dead. Think I am gone and then wait for me, for we shall meet again. A few days later, Sullivan Ballou was killed at the Battle of Bull Run. He was a warrior, but he was also a lover. He had the balance of both faces. Well, this face is seen in Scripture in such verses as Ephesians 5.25 when the Apostle Paul gives a tall order to men in every generation. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. And he says, here's how he loved the church. Here's how you are to put on the face of the lover. Jesus Christ gave himself up for the church. And if you are a husband who knows how to love, you'll give yourselves up for your wives as well. The face of the lover. Then finally, there is the face of what I call the friend. The friend. And can I say this to this large group? You know, many men don't have friends. I'm talking about real friends. And part of the reason we don't have friends, at least in the world we're living in, the kind of friends that connect with us at a soul level, is quite frankly, we don't have time for friends, do we? We want a friend. We want that person to give us his time to invest in us and talk to us and support us but we just don't have the time. And so we live in these very superficial relationships where no one around us do we feel close enough to to really trust with the secret things of our life. And no one that will let talk tough to us when someone needs to get in our face. That requires time. This last summer, I took my son and we went on a mountain climbing expedition in the Teton Mountains. And I'd never climbed a significant mountain before, but this summer we climbed a very significant mountain. And one of the first things we did, we had a guide and, and uh, he pulled out this rope and we all put the rope over us and connected with one another to climb this mountain. We belayed up together. And, in, and in, for a while it was clumsy because you had to hold, you had the rope around you, but you had to hold the rope. And one of the first things we did is we began to scale a 200 foot sheer cliff. And I remember about halfway up looking down and I was glad I was connected. And then I remember as we got towards the top, we had to go around a little curve in the, in the, uh, on the mountainside. And it was a, it was a smooth rock about 10 yards wide with a little lip on it about this wide. And our guide got to the other side and then called us out. It was 2,000 feet straight down. And I remember stepping out there and I was glad I was connected. How foolish it would have been of me at that moment to say, I don't need the rope and I'll just cut it. I can step out there on my own. But you'd never do that when you knew that kind of danger was around you. Because when you do that, this rope becomes your hangman's noose when it's not connected. And what's true of mountain climbing is true of manhood. 
You can't climb the mountain of manhood disconnected from other men. It's, it's almost a universal principle that if you're going to be the kind, well, it is a universal principle. If you're going to be the kind of man you're supposed to do, be, you have to be connected with other men who can speak into your life, who can call out the best in you, who can cheer for your successes, admire your efforts, and be your friend. Because that's what a real friend is. This is a face reflecting, connecting energy, the friend face. And it's characterized by things like loyalty and accountability and challenge and fun. One of the reasons I think guys love coming in here is because deep in their hearts they sense, I can connect with, with some other men on something more than just the superficialities of life. Maybe somehow, in some way, I can connect, I can join with some other man where I can, I can begin to talk with him about some of the, the deep things in my heart. Of course, I need to find out for myself what even some of those things are because I don't know, but there's something rumbling around in there. But if I could just get those out and, and deliver that into someone else's hands who could safely handle them and talk back to me and help me manage and shape and think through who I am and where I'm going. Man, that's a friend. It's also a friend who comes around who's noticed in your life the good things when no one else is noticing and compliments you on it. It's the friend who comes up alongside you when he sees you beginning to stray from the path and because of the deep relationship that you have, he can call you back. But a lot of guys don't have friends because they themselves are not friend-worthy. Are you friend-worthy? To be friend-worthy means you have, to, you have to have connecting energy to other men. You have to be willing to risk and to reach out and to spend time with and cultivate another relationship. Here's the way the Scripture says it. In Proverbs 17, 17, it says, A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. I bet for some of you and where you are in life, even as I speak those things, because of the adversity that you're in, you'd say, I'd love to have a guy like that next to me right now. But a friend loves at all times. Scripture also says in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We need another man rubbing up against us to rub off some of the hard spots in our life. That takes friendships. So these four faces are the four faces of manhood, hopefully synchronized and balanced together. The king face, the warrior face, the lover face, the friend face. Now what I want to do in conclusion is make just a few final but important observations about these faces. Here's the first, letter A on your outline. All too often, these honorable faces of manhood are replaced by what I call ugly caricatures. Now, you've got a little diagram in your outline that I handed out, and I want to show you what I mean by that. Here are these four faces. And the king face, if we lean too far to the right of the king face, you don't get the king anymore. 
you get a tyrant. Isn't that right? And if you lean too far to the left on the king face, you don't get a king who's, who's got righteous energy. You've got an abdicator. You've got someone who has compromised himself, has thrown down the sword and surrendered righteousness. The warrior face, if you lean too far to the right, you don't get a real warrior, you get a destroyer. You get someone who's abusive, harsh, the person who hurts not only himself, but his family. If he leans too far to the left, you don't get a warrior at all, you get a wimp. Someone who's, who, 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 who has no, no conquering energy just gives up, surrenders. When you see that in sports, when you see after a game and when the score gets too, when too far ahead, you can watch the opponent drop his head. He surrendered. The warrior's gone. These great hulks of men, the warrior spirits left them. A lot of guys who have given up the warrior, it's not worth it. On the side of the lover, if you lean too far to the right, you become critical and harsh. You're not someone who people are drawn to, much less your family or your sons or daughters because you constantly are critiquing them. And very rarely are you loving them. Pointing out what they did wrong rather than embellishing what they did right. Not picking up on the real needs because oftentimes you're so focused on your own. If you lean too far to the left, you become cold and withdrawn. You become a rock and an island. Disconnected from the love relationships around you. You can be a friend, but if you lean too far to the right, you become a user. It's like Alan Toffler said many years ago in Future Shock, he said the world would speed up so quick to where rather than have friends, we would have what he called Kleenex relationships. We would take them, use them, throw them away. And that's how we treat our friends. Lean too far to the right, you become a user. If you lean too far to the left, you become a loner. The disconnected guy, the friendless American male. Often the honorable faces become ugly caricatures. And then our world reacts to men and says, see, all men are brutes. All men are insensitive. Have you heard those words before? All men are loners. They just use people. And oftentimes those are the faces, but they're just caricatures of the real deal. Secondly, because of our morally compromised culture, many men today lack the king in their life. And without a king, the warrior becomes unrestrained. If you don't have a king in your life, the warrior can become unrestrained, hurting lives, including your own in the process. You see, if if what a man has in his life is a strong warrior, but a weak king, the warrior gets out of control. It begins to rob and pillage and cheat and fornicate and beat and abuse and overindulge because there is no king riding the warrior and helping the warrior live for the right things. 
A warrior without a king is a destroyer. And oftentimes that's happened today in our world where our world kind of honors a dumbed-down, immoral masculinity. Third, our increasingly feminized culture has emasculated the warrior in many young men. The result has been the creation of what I call the soft male. Indecisive as to direction and weak as to leadership. We talked last week about a culture that increasingly disconnects fathers from sons and really in the last 30 years has really spurred on the warrior spirit in women. And as men have grown quiet in that environment and as young men are raised primarily in overly dominated female environments, what it's done is it's stolen the warrior out of a lot of young men's lives. They've grown up where the warrior's been suppressed because the right spirit of a warrior is usually called out of a young man by older men, calling him to become that kind of warrior. But oftentimes in a female envir environment, the warrior is downplayed or suppressed. Don't hit Johnny, stop. And what you get is what I call the feminized man. Not the effeminate man who has feminine characteristics. The feminized man who can be strong and tough looking on the outside. But when it comes to initiative, they wait. When it comes to leadership, they're soft. When it comes for the moment of decision, they defer. Often to a woman. And the reason they do is because the warrior it's gone. Instead, it's the soft male. Here's what I want you to know, and this is the last point today, and we'll close. Our world today is desperate to see in men this four-faced balance of manhood. That's what our world wants to see. North, south, east, and west, those are the four points on a compass. Winter, spring, Summer, fall, those are four seasons in the year. Earth, wind, fire, water, those are four elements on the earth. King, warrior, lover, friend, those are the four faces of manhood. And guys, here's the question for you this morning. When you look in the mirror, what kind of man do you see? Thank you for listening to the Dr. Robert Lewis Sermon Podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, please rate and review this podcast. In addition, share this with your friends and community. This podcast was produced by the team at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about the team at soundofarose.com.